But I want to rehearse the word of the Lord for you that weren't there. I wish this house was full tonight because I'm going to speak prophetically something the Lord dropped in my heart. But I, I, and if you want to, you need to go back. If you weren't here, you need to go back to Saturday evening because he started prophesying the first moment that he walked up here. He started speaking the word of the Lord. Now, let me just share something before I read this. Uh, we, we just got to know uh, Apostle Anthony, I guess possibly in the last year, if it's even been that long. He came to the meeting, was it was in November. He came to that meeting. We didn't even know him. I didn't even know he was in the house. We kind of connected there. And then we went out to Next City where he's from, done a meeting there. Some of our team did and had a great time there. Hadn't really talked to him a whole lot beyond that. Really haven't until he come. Matter of fact, I didn't even give him the invitation to come. I told Chad to call him up, see if, what, if this would work. And, and we managed to get him to come. I did just make a contact to see if he needed anything. So I want you to know he knows nothing about this house other than he came in the spirit of the Lord to address what God was doing so as he prophesied this is the word of the Lord you need to pay close attention to what God is saying and I would encourage you to go back and listen to it in the spirit of the night because that makes it I think even more powerful but the Lord says to this place tell them they are getting ready to see a victory he says, because of what you have travailed through and pushed through and put up with, the Lord says, my hand is upon you and my hand has been upon you and my eyes have been upon you. I have seen your faithfulness. I have seen you travailing through good and through the bad, through the thick and through the thin. And because of your faithfulness, God says, in the coming days, we're going to see a victory that you have been fasting for. You're going to see a victory you've been praying for. And you're getting ready to see a breakthrough that you've been desiring in your lives because I'm God, the God of the breakthrough. I'm an almighty God and I still work miracles. The Lord says, and he says he in the coming days, keep your eyes upon me because you're getting ready to see a miracle in this place. You're getting ready to see me orchestrate things. You're, you're getting ready to see me move things around. Right now, I see a chess piece right now. And the Lord is getting ready to strategically move people around in this place. I'm going to move some around. I'm going to take some out. And I'm going to put some in. And God is getting ready to bring the hammer down in a good way. He is getting ready to settle some issues in this place. He said, I am the final word. He said, I will have my final say in this place. He said, do not be despaired by anything the natural eye can see because I'm doing a work in this place that no man will be able to see. Some are despaired by what they see. Some are weary by what your eyes see. But I say, lift up your eyes and come to a new level that the Lord is saying, come and see that I am good. Come and taste because I am good. Because of your faithfulness, because you have travailed, because you have pushed through, the Lord says, I'm getting ready to bring a breakthrough. Don't look through your natural eyes or with your natural ears because you would, because, uh, because what you see, when you see it or hear it, you'll not be able to comprehend it. Only the spiritual eyes will see and hear. The enemy has been lying to some. 
and it's a lie. And he's the father of lies. And I have commanded you to be loose from that lie and of anything, of any tie and attachment to it. Strengthen the feeble knees and lift up your hands, for I am doing a work in this place. Now, get praise God. So again, I would encourage you. That's a good word. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that again in the spirit of the evening. And then yesterday, when he first came, Apostle Anthony came the first time, he brought a young man with him by the name of Adam Williams, a young man that usually travels with him or sometimes goes with him, I should say. it. That's what he told me. He went with Apostle when he went different places. But he called me out of the clear blue. Matter of fact, he didn't even know Apostle Anthony was here over the weekend. And uh, he called me out of the clear blue, and he said, The Lord spoke to me about a month ago, and I've been holding this, but I just felt like I needed to call you today and give you a word. Now, now, uh, now Adam is a seer. God shows him pictures, and he defines things from there. He said, I see a door open to you, and you enter into a very large do- uh, dormed, uh, domed room, and it's dark. And you come as though you're standing on a cliff and you have to get across the room to another door. And once you get across and go through the other door, all is going to make sense of why you are going through this. It's a time the Lord is going to teach you something new. And the angels are going to be with you and will be present to help you get across. The darkness is not It isn't evil or sin, but rather it's the unknown of how everything will look or what uh, you are or be. But what you are to do is rest and trust in the Lord for this is his doing. And so God believe with all my heart, God is doing something incredibly great. And something incredibly strong. And we're going to have to live by the rim and by the eyes of the Spirit. That's what Apostle Anthony uh, shared with us. I want you to go real quickly to the book of Joshua. The Lord quickened something in my heart uh, just this week. I mean, it's just been burning in me. And I can't wait to even see how it's all going to come out. Because I really don't know how it's all going to unfold. But in Joshua chapter 1... Some scripture that you're very familiar with. i got to find Joshua. He's in here, I know. He didn't step away. There he is. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord appears. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Uh, Yeah, there you go. And Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, uh, to the children of Israel. I want you to pay close attention to verse 3. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now, I want to speak to you something prophetically tonight because I believe it's important, especially with the hour of what is upon us, with the ruling of, with the, ruling of the Supreme Court that leaked out uh, yesterday and has made national attention and got the nation in an uproar again. But I believe the Lord is saying it's time that we take back the land. And I'm going to talk to you about that tonight because I believe we can no longer sit as a church and be idle. 
We can no longer just be casual in our Christianity. And I'm not talking about just having good services. I'm really talking about ruling, about having dominion and ruling and taking our cities back and taking our land back. And we need to understand what our land is. And I'm going to point out some of that stuff to you uh, uh, tonight. For some of you, especially... You need to, if you don't listen to him, you need to go back and listen to Dutch Sheets today. Uh, what is that called? Uh, give him 15. If you haven't listened to it, you need to listen to today's because it tells why. He gives, a, I believe, one of the best definitions of why that leaked out yesterday. And especially when the Supreme Court wasn't supposed to bring all that out and release it until next month. But it will help us understand something. God is doing, church, whether you and I believe it in our land or not, God is doing incredible things, and he's doing incredible things in every, I believe, in every ministry that will be open to him. My brother that is in Paducah uh, recently, well, just this week, told me over Easter, uh, Bob, my brother Bob, you don't know him, uh, my brother Bob has pastored for a number of years, gave it, to, turned the church over to his son Ben. And Bob has always been one of these on holidays that he always has a house full of people that doesn't belong to them or just, you know, friends that come to his house for dinner. Well, over Easter, because his daughter-in-law is from Brazil, there was a Brazilian somewhere from the area, a businessman that they had got connected with, that they invited to come and have lunch with them. Not only did they invite this Brazilian man, but there was a Muslim family that was somehow connected to them that decided to come and have lunch with them. And so Bob has invited all these people. He said, this is the craziest thing. I don't even know what we're going to do, you, you know, because their culture is different, their language. They could barely speak English because of where they were from. But he told me yesterday, he said, you know that Muslim brother, that man that I told you came to my house? He said he went back home from wherever he was. It was up north somewhere. And he said, he's been calling me. He said, we need to talk. You need to tell me some more about the things you believe and, and what you're doing. Now, that may seem like a small thing, but that is a huge thing of what God is doing uh, around uh, the land and around the country. And I'm hearing in different places, different moves of God that are far different than maybe what we see here or even in some other places. All I know is God is moving and it's time for you and I to rise up and take the land. Now notice what he said to Joshua. Joshua rise up after Moses did, you take this people to the land that I show you. Now listen to these words. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon, I'm going to give you. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon. Now we could look at that in two ways. First of all, Joshua, if you can see it, that's going to be your land. If you can go to it and walk on it and claim it, it's going to be your land. But there's also another picture if you would know about those kings in that day that would go to war. When one king would overtake another king in battle, they would go and literally put their foot upon their neck. And by putting their foot upon their neck, they were claiming victory. They were claiming victory over that king and over that kingdom, and they were claiming it as theirs. 
Something you and I also need to understand about some of the uh, countries of the world that function differently. When the Muslims will come into a place and will raise up a mosque, we would look at that and say that is their place of worship. Well, it is in one sense, but they have something deeper than that in mind. It's not just their place of worship. They are staking claim that this territory, this land now belongs to us. And if you don't think that can happen, then go to Michigan because there's a whole community in the Dearborn area that has been given over or been taken over. Even the government, they even have their own laws in a sense of how they will govern their community. See, they're in the idea of taking land. I remember William Federer, that, that, uh, the historian. He's been here maybe a couple times. I don't know. He's been on TCT a lot. Great man uh, of God. Uh, uh, a histor- I mean, this guy has... He, I, I mean, he'll, give, he'll make your head swim in five minutes. He knows so much stuff. But he will tell you that the hidden agenda behind some of the countries of the world is to take over and literally take the land one person at a time. And if it takes a lifetime to do it, they are bent to take over and literally take the land. The only people that don't see that is us, is the church. It's, it's, the, it's the Christians that we've gotten caught up. Let's just have a good time while everything around us is falling apart. You remember when God brought the children of Israel up? I told you I didn't know how this was going to go, so you just got to stay with me. In Genesis, you remember when God brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt in Exodus chapter 3, when he sent Moses in to go deliver them. This is what he said in Exodus chapter 3. Moses said, Lord, what am I going to tell them? And who, who am I going to tell them that I sent? He said, you just tell them I am, and this is what you're to go tell them. Go tell them that I'm going to bring them into a land. Everybody say a land. I'm going to bring them into a land that is good, a land that is large, and a land that is overflowing with milk and honey. I am going to give them their place. And in that place, they're going to rule. So God hasn't changed his mind about his people having the land. That's what Moses, or that's what Joshua is being followed up with. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 24 at Sinai, Moses, God speaks to Moses and he said, If my people will obey me and they'll follow my commands, I'm going to give them a land that every place the sole of their foot treads upon, it's going to be theirs. And they're going to have dominion over that piece of land. And in that place of dominion, they're going to have houses they didn't build. They're going to drink from cisterns or wells that they didn't dig. They're going to eat bread until they're full. They're not going to have need of anything. Matter of fact, in that place where I place them and they have dominion over, they're going to have rest from all of their enemies. But they've got to take the land. So we go back to Genesis. Say with me for a moment. Let's go back to Genesis when God created man and he blessed him. Now, I thought, didn't I preach this so many times? You guys ought to know everything I know about Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Every time I keep going back, because every time I do, I see something fresh. He says something like this He blessed them, said, Be fruitful, increase, 
multiply, subdue, and have dominion. Now, I got to thinking about that today. Why did he do that then? Because everything had been planned before the foundation of the earth. Christ already knew. God already knew that man was going to sin. Christ had already died before the foundation of the earth. And God knew that man was going to have to subdue and take dominion over what he had always planned for them to have. So that's why he said, subdue and have dominion. The word dominion would actually mean to rule. It would actually mean, just a simple word, it would mean to rule. To subdue something means you you go take it back. We used to get excited when we used to sing that song. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back, and we used to do all those, you know, motions. Took back, and we used to jump and shout, but we never took anything back. It was a great song, had a great message I really believe, but we really never took back what God intended for us to take back. Remember, the earth is the Lord's. It doesn't belong to the devil. It never has belonged to him. He may be entitled, he may have taken the title of the God of this world, but the earth doesn't belong to him, but it belongs to God and to his people. And man was given the right to steward what goes on in the earth. Don't you think for one moment that God couldn't send but one angel or God just open his mouth and get a puff of his breath and everything in the earth would change in a moment? If that's the case, then why doesn't God just wipe this thing out and get it done? Because God set himself and he positioned himself that what I do on the earth, I will do through the man that I created. I will do through my sons and daughters. What was the message all weekend long just about that that Apostle Anthony spoke to us? If you paid attention, it's about us really knowing our identity. Not that we're good Christians, not that we're this. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. His DNA is in us. I was sharing a little bit with my dear friend Bishop Brown this morning. And it just quickened to me as I spoke that. I said, as sons and daughters, we carry the DNA of our Father. That's why Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do greater than these. Why? Because it's the natural flow of one generation to another. The next generation ought to do a whole lot lot more than what we ever did. Why? Because of all the things that have been put in their hands and things that they didn't realize that come from your hands, tools and resources that were given so that they could go do the work of the Lord. Don't think for one moment that what we're doing is just because of us gathering in this room right now. Generations have been praying for us and standing and believing and helping us along. Apostle Anthony said while he was in Utah, he said, uh, somebody came to him and said, we've been praying for a move of God like this for 40 years. 
Can you imagine that? Being in a place steeped with so much religion and not seemingly any kind of move of God and been praying. I said, Apostle Anthony, I believe God chose the right person to go out, but you're out there on the shoulders of those that have been praying, those that have been plowing the ground, those that have been toiling and tilling for years. Now it's happening. And those that they raise up even after that will even do more than them. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so God gave man to steward the earth. Did you hear this word from Apostle Anthony? I was going to put it in later. I'll just put it in now. God has given each of us a measure of light to steward a measure of darkness. In other words, God's given us something to go and drive out and to change the territory and take back the land. But most of us, again, like he said, if something big and bad come up, well, I've got to go get Pastor Val, or I've got to get Miss Judy, I've got to get Miss Sherry, Diane, I've got to get Pastor Zach. Instead of us saying, you know what? God has called me to this place. God has called me to this position to take the authority and take the land back in this place. He said, Adam, he built him this garden. Put him in that garden. And he said, I'm giving you a vision. Now go and fill all the earth. Go and subdue. Go and take dominion. And when you take dominion, what you take dominion over will look just like Eden. And that will be your dwelling place. So we go. That God did it. And we know that man failed. Man gave up his identity, gave up his authority, started living in toil and struggle. That was never the plan of God. Never ever was that the plan of God, but man sinned, and that's what happened in sin. So we can follow the generation that we go through. Genesis chapter 12, you know the story. God speaks to a young man by the name of, of Abram. He's 75 years old. He said, Abram, get up and get away from your father's house and from your kindred and go into a land that I will show you. Listen to how he speaks. I want you to go into a land that I will show you. I believe God is doing something in this house by there's some cleansing going on. There's some sanctification going on. There's some setting apart going on. There's some holiness movement going on. And because God is saying this, I can't leave you. I can't leave you in here to fulfill what I'm planning or what I'm up to in this place. How many remember what he said? Some of you are feeling the press. You're feeling pressured. You're feeling the press on you. And God is dealing with some things in our life. But he said, I'm going to get that out of you, but I'm going to squeeze out of you. I'm going to bring you into another place, Zach speaking, that's going to, help. It's going to bring you into the place that he's always desired so that we can fulfill his purpose. I was going to bring this up a little bit later. It's a good place to do it now. I was awakened by a dream this morning. And in my dream, I saw a yard, and the grass was a little bit high, and I saw stuff in the yard, just stuff. I don't know whose yard it was. It could have been mine. I don't know. I just saw a yard. I noticed the grass was, was up a little bit and just stuff in it. And then I kept hearing, there's a snake in the grass. Now, every time that I, that I hear or see in my dreams a snake, I know God is showing me a vision, or he's showing me a, 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 an assignment of the enemy. And uh, I thought, you, you know, i got a couple of people I share my dreams with when I have them. Help me understand. Help me discern what's going on. 
first definition was what is what what does it mean? What does it mean? There's a snake in the grass. You ever heard that expression? Hey, watch that snake. There's a snake in the grass. I didn't see a snake. I just heard the words. Watch out for the snake in the grass. And it means, in one sense, if I can remember right, there's a, a wrong motive, there's deception, there's something going on there that you need to pay close attention to. And I got to looking at the yard. And it wasn't that it was cluttered with a lot of junk. See, here's where we get deceived. Because we think everything is all right because there's not a lot of, you know, I don't have a lot of bad stuff. Sometimes it's the little things that God said, I need to deal with this. I need this out of the way because it's cluttering the yard. The grass hadn't been trimmed or cut. There was toys and there was stuff in the yard. And I believe God is saying, I'm cleaning a few things up, but watch the snake in the grass. Because we got to take back our land. He's got to deal with this. I got to recognize something is, is going on. So the Lord says to, to, to Abram, get up and get away from your father's house. Why did he get him away from his father's house? Because he was in a pagan land. He was, the father was an astrologer. There was a number of other things that was there. And God said, I've got to get you out of that old system. And I've got to bring you into my place so that I can fulfill and you can see what I want you to see. That was another thing at the end of the message the other night when he talked about Bartimaeus. I, I contend with him that he speaks true. That most of us still identify him as blind Bartimaeus. But I think what we're trying to do is just connect people with the story. But he's no longer blind. But if you remember, the strong point of the story of relating to us wasn't the fact that he now sees. It was that he, un, he unclothed himself of something that he had been living in that gave him a false identity that kept him from being who he was supposed to be. But before Jesus ever touched him, he laid that aside. And he said, there's some things that we're going to need to lay aside. I told again, using Apostle Anthony, Anthony, nobody better to go into Utah than you because you are non-religious. He hasn't had all the years of church that you and I. He come up in the world. He come up, you know, with the addicts and the drunks and all of that. He had a divine encounter with God. And he'll tell you, man, I don't know all the things that you know. I thought, man, you know a whole lot more than I know. He's almost like a Paul that God just visited him supernatural. I have to be honest, I got some religion on me. I've come up in church all my oh come on, don't look at me like that. You guys got it too. You just won't admit it. Because when you've come up in church all your life, certain things that we've done, certain practices and all of this, I want to tell you, those things are hard to well, we've never done it that way. Hello. And sometimes we're resisting against the very things that the Lord is wanting to do. And it's not that we've been bad. That was a time that got us to where we are, but it won't get us to where we need to be. It's kind of like Moses and Joshua. Moses could get them out, but Moses couldn't get them in. And Joshua didn't have what it took to get them out, but he could get them in. Hello, somebody. So sometimes it's not that we're bad, but God said, wait a minute, I'm taking you to a new level. Listen, remember in the word while ago, he said something like this. He said, you're not going to see this with natural eyes or are you going to see it with your natural ear? But you're going to have to be tuned in to the Spirit of God and listen with your ear of the Spirit and see with the eye of the Spirit or we're going to miss it. Hello? I went to a revival in a Baptist church last night in Sykeston. 
While I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like this. I'm so glad we're here. Hello, I'm not knocking them. I'm just so glad I came up the way we are. But I could not deny people being changed by the power of God in an environment that didn't look and feel like mine. Hello? I couldn't deny how, a God, how God would use somebody differently than how He would speak through me or some of us in this room. But I'm still thankful that I have what I have and we are who we are. Hello? But it's time for us. God said, it's time for us to see. It's time for us to move. And I'm taking some things off. So he says to Abram, get up and get away from your father's house. And how many knows that Abram brought his father's, his, he brought his nephew Lot with him. And at some point, when God told him to leave it all, some point it began to bring strife. See, sometimes we're carrying things of yesterday that are causing me strife of seeing what I need to see in the present because I just won't let go. It's too dear to me. It had too many experiences. I had too many encounters. But the moment the strife was dealt with and he said, you got to go, Lot, then God spoke in Genesis chapter 13. I don't, I don't want to read every verse for time. He said, then in chapter 13, he said, now, Abram, lift up your eyes and see. From the north, from the south, the east, and the west, all of this I will give you if you see it. He's saying, this is your land. It's yours. you got to go take it. It's yours to get a hold of. It's yours to rule. And then we could keep walking. I've just walked you with Joshua. We could look through the kings. You know why kings would go to battle? They would go to battle to take territory. I'm taking this land. We're going to take this. It override. That's why some smaller countries would be quick to make a covenant with a bigger country, lest they be overtaken. Because if they didn't, the stronger will come in and overtake. It's an issue of land. I don't know what's going on in the, out over in the Middle East. I don't know what's going necessarily with Russia and the Ukraine. That picture's a lot bigger than what I am. But I don't understand why one big country keeps bombing another country. It's out to literally, we're going to take the land. And so you and I look at it from a perspective of just war, but there is more going on than that. We could even go into the New Testament, and we could walk in it like this. Jesus said to his disciples, his apostles, his early apostles that he sent in Matthew 10 and Luke chapter 10. He said, I'm giving you authority to go in and heal the sick and cast out demons and do this, but go nowhere but to the house of Israel. He wasn't just saying a house on a corner. This is where, this is where the, uh, the house of Israel would be. When Jesus was making a journey, remember, he passes through a place where the Samaritans was. That was their territory. In the Middle East right now, there is still great war. There's still great trouble over boundaries of land. 
We could go even further than that. Go into the book of Acts. Please hear what I'm telling you. Into the book of Acts. He said this. He said, you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He could have said it like this. You will be a witness to me, to the young. You will be a witness to me, to the old, to the black, to the Hispanics, to the Caucasians, to the, to the Asians. He didn't say it like that. He said, you go and be a witness to me in these territories or this piece of land. When you go into the book of Revelation chapter 2, when John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, John had a visitation from Jesus, and now Jesus speaks, and he said, right, say these things are right to the angel of Philadelphia, right to the angel of Laodicea, to the church of Sardis, to the church of this. It wasn't, the, it was a territory that was being spoke to. Are y'all, are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So the land is important, and I believe God is saying that we've got to rise up and we've got to start taking our land. I'm going to land the jet right here because three things have got to happen in order to do it. Here's the first one. We've got to take dominion over our own souls. We've got to take dominion over our own lives. We've got to rule it. We let everything under the sun mess with us and overtake us. When Jesus said, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. In Luke chapter 21 in verse 19, it says this, by your patience, possess your souls. Your soul being your mind, will, and emotions. Now, nobody in this place ever gets messed up. It's amazing how little it takes to mess us up. It really is. But Jesus said, in our patience, the word patient there means in your endurance, possess ye your souls. When you go look at that chapter and keep it in context, Jesus is talking about things that are coming in the last days. He talks about the time will come when there will be wars and rumors of wars and there's going to be this and there's going to be that. He said, don't be deceived in this moment of time. I've just got to paraphrase it to get through it real quick. He even talks about the time that their temple is going to be destroyed. Their way of worship that they have been a part of for years is going to be turned upside down. Don't think for a moment if God messes with your worship that it won't mess with your soul. It does all of us. But he said, this is going to happen. But he said, before all these things. There's going to be great persecution. They're going to to offer you up in the synagogues. They're going to pull you into the courtrooms. This is going to happen and that's going to happen. They're going to accuse you. And then he goes on to say, even your families, even your friends are going to turn against you. He said, this is going to happen. Go read it. Luke chapter 21. But then he says, in your endurance, possess you, your souls. The word possess means to acquire by any means. It means to purchase if you have to. I got to get it back. I can't let, listen church, I can't let anything and everything mess with me. We're stronger than that. We're really stronger in the Lord than that. That's why I believe God gives us command that we get a hold of ourselves and we stand strong from the stuff around us. Listen, we, we, man, we get moved so easily. 
But Jesus said, wait a minute, not in this hour. If you're going to rule your land, you're going to have to get possession of your soul. Because our anger isn't going to do it. Our frustration isn't going to do it. Remember what the apostle said. We're not going to be able to see this with the natural eye or catch this with the natural ear. It's going to take the Spirit of God. And if I'm going to live in the realm of the Spirit of God, then I'm going to have to get a hold of my emotions. Because if I'm messed up, I can't hear from God. It's not that He's not speaking. Are you okay? But we've got to, this is what he, we've got to get control of ourselves. We've got to possess our own souls, have dominion over it. We're really, in the book of Romans, we've got, to, we've got to get dominion over the sin of our life. Well, I can't help but sin a little bit. That's not what the Word said. He said, you're going to be tempted, but he said this. I've given you in the book of Romans chapter 6, when we entered into the waters of baptism, that old man died. That old sinful nature was over. I come up a new man in the authority of Christ. And he said, now let not sin have dominion over you. Then he said in Romans chapter 5, he said, now we're to reign in life. So we've got to have dominion. We're going to have to take dominion over our own souls. You can read them for time's sake. I won't go there. But you, you could go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. I believe it is chapter 4. Paul gives a whole, a whole dimension there uh, to them about us. Wait a minute. Not letting sin get a hold of our life. Here's the second thing that we've got to, we've got to have dominion over. We've got to have dominion over our families. Church, we've got to get our families back. No, we got to get our family. See, we think our families are okay. I want to tell you, there's a lot of dysfunctional families in the house of God that go to church. Our family unit has been messed up all over the world. In this culture, it's been messed up. And our families are no longer thriving or no longer moving the way that our families were ever intended for our families to function. Hello? We've got children that's ruling the roost. We've got moms and dads that are out of order. We've got things, and then we wonder, why is our land falling apart? Why do we not have anything going in the... Why are we not seeing revival in our church? Something else the apostle said, did you catch this? Uh, personal intimacy determines our corporate habitation. Now, I don't think he was speaking to sound cute. or I think he's dealing with some things that we need to deal with. Our houses, are out, our homes are out of mess. Havoc and frustration. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just wanting us to see the plan of God. I believe God has given us authority. And I believe we can rise up and we can take back our homes and say, God, you are the Lord of my house. I know I must be with the wrong house tonight, Pastor. But man, we're in a culture now that Johnny, somebody was telling me a good, solid Christian family. I, I mean, these, I know these families. He said his eight-year-old granddaughter, there, somebody in their church or family member was ha having a, a, a baby and, and, and the eight-year-old come up with the idea when they, she overheard what, what you know, they thought the child was going to be. And they said, the, one of the parents said, well, I think it's going to be a little girl. And the eight-year-old said, if that's what he or she wants to be. This is happening in our culture. 
These are happening in our families. And I'm, I'm encouraging us, church. I, I, I'm not hammering us. I, I'm encouraging us to be as godly as we know how and say, my house, I believe it's what Joshua was saying. As for me and my house, I, I can't rule yours, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Even if it means my family goes another way, but as for me and my house, I have a responsibility to teach my children. You hear me when I dedicate these babies. Moms and dads, your biggest plan isn't to make them a superstar on a basketball court or a soccer field or a whatever. But your greatest plan is when God said, train up a child in the way he should go. I have a responsibility to say, God, what is the plan you have for my child? And I'm to do everything that I can in me to make sure that I'm leading that direction. Now, they'll reach a moment. They'll make decisions for themselves. But I can stand purely and honestly. I have given them everything they need to be whole. And if they stray, I believe that's where the word comes in to say, where he says, when they get old, they will not. I believe somehow they'll come back around. But we got to get our homes back. We got to get our families back. Moms and dads don't take, take this thing. And we're seeing it more and more all the time. Just like the young lady I told you about last week at the chiropractor's office. When she said, you know, I, don't, I asked her about, go, do you go? She asked me where I pastored for you that didn't hear this. I said, well, I pastored up here on Bertling, the church. And I said, where do you go to church? Because I thought she's a Christian. She's 18 years old. She said, well, I really don't go. I know that's bad, but I don't go. And she said that two or three times. I don't go. I know that's bad. But then she turns around and she said, but I believe that you can be a great Christian and not go to church. That's not what the Word said. That's not in the Bible. And if we don't align our families up, see, it doesn't, see, we can go change whatever we want to change in the White House. I'm sorry, you guys may disagree with me, but they're not going to change your family. It doesn't work from that down. It works from this up. You know why they're protesting around the White House about the abortion issue right now? Is because they don't believe this. Hello? You want to know why we put ungodly men and women into office? Because we don't believe this. Because it's not in my home. Sorry, you may feel different, but if it's not in your home and it's not in you, then don't expect this out here to change. That changes by what happens from this level to this level to that level. It doesn't change the other way around. Here's the third one. I, I landed yet because you look like you want to hurt me now. That's why I wish the house was full. Because I believe I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But the third thing is, where's our world? We got to take our world. I'm not talking about this globe. I'm talking about our world. Where's your world at? Your world isn't everywhere. Your world is the place that you do most of your business, your social life in, your commerce in. That's your world. Every place to, most of us are People of habit. We go to the same restaurants. We deal with the same bank. We go to the same places to socialize. We're, we're just people of habit. 
I do that when I travel. Diane said, you stop the same places all the time. Well, I know where the good bathrooms are. <laughs> I don't want to go to some junky one. <laughs> but it's true. We're people of habit. And it's true in our life of every day. Notice your habits. That is your world. That you've been called to overtake it. If it's on the job, this is my world. Some of you have spent years on a job that you've never exercised kingdom authority over. So I'll complain about everything about it. But never exercise. This is a kingdom. I carry the authority to change the atmosphere. But we never do that. Because we don't know who we are. Because we've lost our identity. And it's just become the way it is. Well, we got to get our world back. How do we get our world back? Listen, I, 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 listen. I, I shared this with a pastor today. Guys, it's time for me. I can, I can, you know, man, our schools are bad. They're teaching some ungodly stuff. Well, mom and dad, let me ask you. When was the last time you went to a school board meeting? Oh, let me even ask something great. When was the last time you went and talked to the teacher about that's teaching your child? When was the last time you went to the PTO meeting or whatever they're called? When was the last time we really got in? When was the last time even in the local places that we talked to some of the candidates? I'm guilty. Well, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch the rascal by his toe. And sometimes that's it. we don't have a clue who they are. And then when we get them in there, we can't get them out, and they're doing all kinds of unrighteous stuff. It's nobody's fault. But did you think it's time that we, st- I believe it is, is that we quit talking about it, and we start raising some people up to say, you know what, I care enough about our children, even if they're not mine. Well, I'm too old. Get over it. You're not too old. Don't listen to that lie. Don't listen to that lie. You've got wisdom that is needed. Well, we've got, to, we've got to start doing something about the get ourselves active in some places we never have. Even if we can't do it, you know what? We can be supportive. We can fund. We can go in and say, hey, we're going to make a difference in the world of which I live. I'm challenged by neighbors. I, I really am. I remember years ago when I'm done, we had, a, uh, we had a man that came in. He was of the Kingdom Hall Jehovah's Witness that moved next door to be a dime when we lived in Paducah. The first day I got to meet him, he was a duck hunter. So he's got his boat out there, Matt, and he's got all of his stuff. And the first words out of his mouth after I introduced myself and said, Hey, I'm Zach Strong. I didn't tell him I was a pastor or anything. I just said, Hey, hello. He told me who he was. These were his words. I plan on being a better neighbor than you are. That was his words. He said, You need anything? Here's my garage. Come use it. That was a challenge. I'm going to be a better neighbor than you are. I just moved from a home. Me and Diane did. She was with me. <laughs> 17 years that I couldn't tell you who my neighbors were. 
Seriously. And I could use the excuse, I'm busy and I'm on the road all the time. But I'm trying to be different where I'm at. Trying. I'm not got everybody yet. But I'm talking to them. They know who we are. Because word has got out. A preacher has moved in our neighborhood. That's what happens in a community like we're living now. Everybody knows us. But I plan on it. That's my world. That's our world. My neighbor's son just passed away. We don't know her that well. We've heard about her. She knew more about us than we knew about her. We've already heard about you. So me and Diane, first day moving in, she brought us a little thing. I don't know, maybe it was apple slices. We didn't give her nothing. But we went over and sat with her. And we prayed with her and the loss of her son. Her other son was there and tears are flowing down their eyes as, as we're just, we're just, we, we just want to be, we just want to tell you you're not alone. The neighbor across the road, she's a single lady. She couldn't get her uh, LP gas thing off her grill and had company coming. Can you help me? Well, sure. I barely did it, but we got it off. (laughs) The other neighbor we don't ever see. Finally, she popped up out of nowhere. We introduced ourselves just recently. Seriously, we've been there six months now. I said, I said, can I help you? I want to help you with anything, anything I can do to help you. She's an elderly lady, and she says something like this to me. Everybody wants to take care of me. I just said, I thought I was trying to be a good neighbor. Sometimes, I'm being real. That's my world. I tried to figure out, how can we touch our world better? What is your world that you can start? Huddle House is our world. It really is. You know how many times people come up, we pray over different ones. Or, or they're getting ready to leave. They're, 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 they're in, hey, I'm just letting you know this is my last day. Because that's our world. I say, it's my second office. I've got my own booth. No, just kidding. But it really is because we're in there all the time. And they know us. And they call us by pastor. They call us by name when we go in. We've got to take back. We've got to start taking back the land. I wanted to move off. I know I told you this. I wanted to get us out of there because help got bad and we couldn't get waited on. We were drinking the coffee faster than they could get it made and put in our cup. And that is not good. And I'm serious. We were looking for another place. We even tried another place. It took even longer. And I felt checked by that. I really did. Why don't you start praying over this place and blessing them that they have the help they need? Because it's our world. Church, I'm telling you it's time for us to take back our world. Take back our land. I can't do anything about the White House, except go vote whenever that time comes. But what I can do, I can start with my world, and I can start with my neighbors, and I can start in the place I go, and I can take over my family. It starts with me, my family, and then the world that is around me. Let's get our land back.
Because in that place is my place of blessing. Come on and stand with me. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for what you've put in my heart. And I've released it tonight the best that I could and knew how. And I pray tonight, God, that our eyes would be open to what you're asking of us at this time. And what we're called to do. That, God, this is more this is more than just a meeting in a room. This is revival. This is transformation of taking over our land. This is what awakening is about, God. Not just about having another feel good of a moment, but we're awakened to what your purpose is for your church. God, I pray tonight that each of us would see our world that each of us would get possession of our own souls, that we would get our families back and we would take back the land of which we walk upon and we claim it as ours. So God, I bless your people to walk in it, walk in the full identity of who you called them to be, that we are sons and daughters and you have given us the ability to steward what you said was yours. So we take that authority and we take that position tonight and we walk in it and go in it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Good night, everybody. God bless you.